who do Silky's hikes, very similar to what you do. Uh, similar, but not the same. And we're going to get into that uh, during the discussion. The whole idea is to bring veterans out of isolation, right? So uh, the biggest killer, I think, is, you know, folks are, are at home just dwelling on the past and dwelling over the the things that maybe they used to do, and they're not out with their friends anymore. They're not in that that military mindset versus the civilian mindset where we're, you know, ragging on each other and all that stuff. So the idea is to get them out and back into that that groove. And it 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 seems to be really, really successful. I mean, I, I believe in the mission. Like you got to get people out and about and it's it's the fundamentals of the military are are basically accurate, right? I mean you mm -hmm. take you take a bunch of people, you put them in hard situations, you go outside together, and it sucks while you do it some of the time. Other times it's really cool, right? And you have those yeah, moments. Yeah. But, you know, when you're you're done, it's always cooler after you're done. Absolutely. And, and so it gets easy. You get in your own head at some point, right? And you're like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. That sucks. Right. But But all the best memories that you had came with the people. And the reason why you had those memories is because it sucked and you did it together. And it's like, it's counterintuitive to it's, it's at odds with our current culture, if you will, which is, Hey, this is easy Buy this thing. And th that's not how the military works. It's not like, Oh, just buy this thing and your life's going to be easier. Said, said no team sergeant I ever had. Right. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, it's like, hey, check it out. We're going to show up at this time at this place in this uniform, and it's going to be awesome, a.k.a. it's going <laughs> to really suck. And right. it's great, you know? That's right. It's it's one of those things where you're right. It sucks at the moment. And there was a great – I don't remember who it was. might have been um, this guy named Richard High. He did a video, and it was on YouTube, uh, the Angry Cops guy. And he was, he was talking about, oh, when I get out of the Army – uh, life is going to be so much better and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And, and then he cuts to himself in the civilian world and he says, damn it. When we were back in the army, we used to do things so much better. We did it like this. We did it like that. And yeah. I missed it. And it's true. We all, we all kind of fall, fall uh, victim to that. Um, I did myself because I mean, I got, I got dropped on my head and had a TBI and they wouldn't let me fly airplanes anymore and then got med boarded. And, and then I was a civilian. I was like, what? <laughs> What am I going to do with this, right? I didn't have any uh, plans but to fly for a few years, and and a lot of people find themselves in that in that situation. And 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 then you reject the things that it's it's like when I got out, it was kind of like, oh, I'm not doing PT in the early morning anymore, right? <laughs> because I don't have to I don't have to do anything, you know, right? And what what happens is is that the structure, the discipline, like that's kind of the the framework for the camaraderie, right? Okay. I yeah. mean, you can find it magically, right? You can always call a buddy up and say, let's go do this awesome hike or let's go do this, whatever. But you need organization. You need Silky's hikes to just show up sometime. Mm -hmm. And someone is like, hey, come show up and come do this thing, right? You need, and, and that's kind of a substitute. But the more that we're able to kind of take that mindset and organize our own friends or, you know, just, show up do it ourselves right with our neighbors our communities our our friends who are close by like we we are empowered we should actually be leading from the front is really what should be happening and so you know the call that i would make is like look i mean we've been there we've done that and there there while i was in i couldn't believe that civilians 
would have kind of a similar mindset ever. And I found it through Go Rock, right? Which has been mm -hmm. cool. But the bigger part of that is what we owe is we owe the same leadership that we got and, and then some. We owe our own development that we got from the military and we owe to pay that forward and to pay it back to others within, you know, it, especially the veteran community. And then it, it can branch out from there. Right. And, and so, you know, like we've been given a gift of service and, and I think we should pay it forward. Yeah. And, and you mentioned something there. There's that accountability issue. Uh, I would get, I mean, I, I, and I think a lot of people are like this, you can easily fall into a pattern of, uh, uh, not getting things done, <laughs> procrastinating or putting stuff on uh, or off. But when you have that accountability, whether you make it yourself or whether you have a close group of friends that will keep you accountable, then then stuff stuff gets done. Um, a, a theme that comes up a lot on the show, and again, you kind of touched on it a minute ago, uh, is does the military create people with this drive or this accountability or does the military simply showcase them you know what i mean like you find the military because it's an innate quality within yourself to to lead or to um you know like be a go-getter versus you're shy or you know you don't you don't really like to do much and then you go to the military and they turn you into that i mean i found the military because i wanted revenge for 9-11 so you know I might not be the best, the best person to ask. I mean, that was kind of the, the, manifest, <laughs> the manifestation in, in my life of, of like what I wanted to do. And, you know, I think no matter what, it's to me, it's not a black or white question, right? Yeah. It's not sort of either or. I think that no matter who you are, the military gives you a ton. It makes you a better person. It makes you, you know, more appreciative of the things you have. It teaches you camaraderie it teaches you community it teaches you these life lessons and so regardless of where you started and my best guess would be that it it, it, it attracts all sorts of kinds of people and and those people are they, they find themselves in different mos's they find themselves doing different jobs throughout the career their their careers i mean you know like uh, an accountant is not quite the same as a delta force operator you know i mean the military <laughs> right, right. It's like the military is not all the same, but what unites us is we, we all chose to serve and we all got that priceless education about camaraderie and discipline and accountability and serving something greater than ourselves. So I, I think no matter where we started, we ended up in a better place. And, and I think uh, one of the big things too, and this, you're right, this isn't with all MOSs, um, but you find yourself especially if you're in any sort of operations, you find yourself a lot in a situation where you can't just go, you know what? I'm done. I quit. I'm going to go home now. Because uh, if you do, you'll die. And that's that's something that's so unique to military, even like EMS and firefighters. You, It's not that you can quit. It's that you can't quit. And if you do quit, you're going to die. Yeah. Or, or worse yet. I mean, there's worse things than dying. And if you you'll get the the shame from your buddy. I mean, that's like, I'd probably rather die than have my buddy think I'm a fucking coward. No, you that's know? exactly right. Yeah. And it's like deep down inside of us, there's always fear, <laughs> you know? Sure. So how do you power through that? And it's not just because you're John Wayne. It's not <laughs> just because you're immune to fear. 
It's, right. it's, it's because of the person to your left and the person to your right. And that inspires greatness. And so, you know, I mean that, and, and once you do that, you know what happens? You learn what you're capable of. You, you get greater confidence. You, it's, it's like you, you just incrementally get better because you do these things. Well, what inspires those things? It's, it's not some leader sitting in Washington screaming at you to go do them because they ordered you to do it, right? It's, it's right. because you're on a team. You've, you've bought into the whole culture, the service culture, the, 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 the military culture, just the way of life. And, and so that inspires a lot. And you take that back and you just keep getting better. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, as you mentioned, shame there, that tends to be a, a big one that gets folks when they're out of the military and they're revisiting. It's those, you know, those nights where they're by themselves and they think about things that they used to do. And the problem is I think veterans are very hard on ourselves personally. Um, and I think that's to a fault. And, and I hear it a lot from a lot of different guys. You know, one of the biggest things when we go on silky psychs is we talk and we kind of let some stuff out. I mean, that's the whole point of it. It's like a therapeutic, uh, ruck. And uh, I, I hear it time and time again, you know, I just, I wish I had done this or I wish I did myself. Uh, I was unconscious, yet I felt like I failed my crew, right? It, it's something that we carry with us. And it took a long time for mm -hmm. me to say, you know, it, 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 that's what happened. There was nothing I could do. It was, it was just the way the chips fell. Yeah. I mean, I, in, in the other side of it is, even more than saying we shouldn't be so hard on ourselves is we should actively support each other. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and there's, there's frankly too much like intra veteran community fighting. And I'm like, so for me, the way that I view that world is there's a team room. Okay. Your team room is a trusted space. And inside of that team room, I've seen massive fist fights. I've seen everything come to bear. And I've also seen those same dudes go to war together and, you know, good, good things have happened, right? Mm -hmm. From like their love and respect for each other. Like that's a natural thing. You work stuff out inside the team room. By the way, the door's shut, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then it's like eventually you open the door back up. And outside of that, it's like you, you have absolute loyalty to each other. And I, I don't, I don't ever enjoy seeing anything that divides our veteran community like that. that I'm just not a fan. And so, you know, I'm not here to say that everything's always been perfect with everything we've ever done or whatever, but I mean, you, you, you won't see me or us like airing any dirty laundry. And in fact, the opposite, it's like, look, you know, the world's full of people and, and those people, especially within the veteran space. Like we have a lot in common. Let's, let's keep that in, let's keep that in mind. And, you know, it's, it's about supporting each other and I'm, I'm really in favor of that. And I don't like it when it drifts the other way. And I, I think some things need to be handled kind of within the community. So look, I think that there is absolutely the time and the place for veterans only to get together and kind of hang out and sometimes you got to bitch about this. You got to, you know, it's like, it's team room stuff. Got it. Yeah. Right. It's a language and, that, that other people don't have the ability to speak or understand. Yeah. And then we got it. We got to get on the same page and we got to move forward together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the big differences between the, uh, Silky's hikes and the go ruck is that I I'm sure you have a lot of veterans. I'm sure you have a ton of veterans that do that, but you, you also have 
athletes and you have civilians, you have people like that. Um, does, does GORUCK add kind of a, a venue for uh, bridging the gap between veterans and civilians? I mean, that's what GORUCK was for me, right? I mean, GORUCK is a manifestation of what I was looking for out of life at that, at that time. And that, that was, I was transitioning from the military to the civilian world and quickly found myself without the support structures that I had counted on, right? I had a consistent mission, aka a job on a, on a team. And you, you take that for granted. You wake up every day and you're serving America. Life's pretty good, right? right. And then, you know, it, it's like, then I'm, don't have any, don't have any mission or purpose for what I'm going to do next. I don't have a vision for what I'm going to do next. Like kind of crumbles underneath me. And then, then I'm going through divorce, you know, and it's like, it all comes at the same time. And so, you know, it was, it was a difficult time in my life and, and I was expected to be able to transition to the civilian world. And, you know, my, my innermost core was very much comprised of, of a few people that I'd served with, but then I had to branch out from there. And so it kind of led to, okay, we're going to do these, these events and they're open to, open to anyone. And, and that's just kind of where I felt the, the pressures on my life at that time were, were like I was expected to transition. And so it became part of, part of that. And, you know, so then you have, you know, me, some former special forces guy leading this very motley crew of people in cities and all over the, all over the country. And it, it, it's not just a rock, right. It, or, or hike. It's, it's team building. So team right. building through adversity, shared suffering, PT, and rucking. And, you know, it's kind of in the mind of the cadre how that all sort of happens. And, and it was a big challenge. You know, how do you take these hugely diverse groups of people? And, and we were meeting at 1 a.m. on street corners, you know. <laughs> and and it's, it's just like wrapping bricks at the start of the, the, the event. Like, hey, here's your bricks, you know. I mean, it was really raw, man. <laughs> and, and like that, that was, that was great. It was kind of the, the introduction that, that I needed to, to post-military life. Where did, where did the go ruck that go back to when that first spark where you said, uh, this is what I'm going to make. Where did that come from? Was it, you know, some people say it's just, just, they always wanted to do something and they just kind of developed it. Others say I had a dream and next thing you know, I made it a reality. Now it was, it was really a complete accident. I and mean, I never even had a lemonade stand as a kid. Like it, this was not something like my, my plan was to go still be in like ground branch or whatever at the agency. And, um, so, you know, I, I was, my wife was in, in the CIA and, and I built her a go bag after my, my, uh, 2007 trip to Iraq. And I went and visited her. She was at her first posting it's like, this is what we have. We have go bags. And so I built her a go bag and put it in her car and then built one for her house and stuff like that. It was just extra supplies, you know, just stuff mm -hmm. because it's, she was in war-torn West Africa. And that was the kind of spark for the, the gear. And fast forward, you know, two and a half years, I had to figure out how to get stuff manufactured and, and do all that fun jazz. And and uh, that was all behind the scenes and life was chaotic. And then I was in business school and, 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 and so then finally got all the, the bags built and nobody wanted to buy them. But I, I had this 
I'd reach out to this partner. Well, I reach out to a lot, a lot, a lot of places, but the one that kind of took hold was a partnership with Tough Mudder, the, mm-hmm. uh, the OCR sure. event. And so I met with their CEO and he had this, this idea of like kind of a partnership where I would build out these fight clubs before all of the Tough Mudders. I'm like, hey, a special forces guy is coming to build out this little fight club and then we're going to go do Tough Mudder together. And it was meant to be kind of a human interest story, mm-hmm. right? Like a legitimizer of sorts where special forces are involved and all that stuff. And, and what I realized really quickly was that that event took on a life of its own that was, that was different, separate, and significantly more emotionally involved than any obstacle course race could be. So the Go Ruck Challenge kind of took on a life of its own and, and really propelled the, propelled the business. And, you know, the moment when I knew it was right was after our first challenge, which was September 26th, 2010 in San Francisco. And we're in the parking lot at the end of it and people aren't leaving, right? We're just drinking beer, shooting the shit about the event that we just done. And it was, it was awesome, you know? And Mm -hmm. like, it's like after that awesome, whatever you did, take whatever FTX or take whatever, you know, event mission that you were on and you just, or like that, that concert, right? Where you go to, you see Metallica for the first time or something and your ears are just ringing at the end of it. <laughs> and you're like, oh, this needs to last forever. Yeah, I yeah. felt like that. And, and it was like, all right, I don't really care about the rest of whatever. Like this is, this is the way that we're going. Sure. That's, that's so unique because most people have a, a laser-focused business model and, and that's what they do. And they actually, t- you know, I don't know anything about business to be honest with you. I'm talking about my ass, but they, they say, don't stray for that, especially with podcasting, identify your audience and laser focus on that and don't stray from it because it's, it's wasted time. But it sounds like go rock. I mean, apparel, backpacks and events. It, it seems like there were different entities that all just sort of fit together. Yeah, I mean it's it's a challenge because it is complex, right? And and mm-hmm. that makes it that makes it hard on some level, but that was the only thing that gave us our break, right? That's the only thing that got us out there was the fact that we were running these events to prove the gear. That was the original. Ah, uh, okay, okay, that so makes sense. Then it was kind of like, well, then the events started to take on a life of their own because I was like, man, I got to do something to sell this gear, man. Like as already in debt and I'd spent every dollar and, and all that stuff. And so it was one of those instances where you got to keep trying, you got to try something. And the something was go run all these events. And it just, it just one thing, it just kept leading to the next, you know? Right. And it's because it had a really good effect on people. And so it's like following my heart like that. And, and that was, you know, that made it really worthwhile to me. So I, it's not laser focused. It also makes it hard now to, to sort of explain exactly what GORUCK is. It's like from <laughs> the ground up, we built, designed, manufactured our, our rucksacks. And now we do the same thing with footwear and apparel, like all the stuff you need for rucking and fitness and traveling and stuff like that, like special yeah, that's right. way of life. But it's like, but we also have, we run a thousand events a year led by special yeah, forces guys. That's and people insane. are like, what? So as a business, we've had to kind of uh, 
not fix, but focus the messaging from time to time in, in different ways. And, and, uh, that's been a challenge because you want people to just get it. Like you need to just get it. And not everybody does. It's a busy world out there. So there's some yeah. adaptation that has to go on. Uh, in what ways did your military training, I mean, we hear it all the time, you know, business leaders look to military people to come in and talk to their organization and structure it and teach them how to team build and all that. Uh, in what ways did your military training uh, meld with now your business model and, and running your business? Yeah, so I'll take that a couple of different ways. I mean, the first is, is that I, you know, out of the gates, like I'm going to give credit where credit is due. And the the reason why I am where I am. And in so many ways, outside of say my grandparents and the people who are most dear to me was because of the, the guys in special forces who took a vested interest in, in my life. And, and that, I, I mean, all I can do is dedicate the rest of my life to giving back more because of what I've been given. Um, and, and so how is it translated? Well, the, the first way to answer that is that, you know, I became a gear dork because in special forces, your gear is life or death. You know, I, I, I learned how to lead others and, and translated that directly to the Go Ruck challenge. And that's the only reason why Go Ruck exists right now is because I was able to like lead teams and, and build teams from scratch out like, like that. Right now, there was always a, a curve, but you know, you show up with 25 random people on a street corner at 1 a.m. and you have no idea who they are. And it's like 12 hours later, they have to respect, like you, they have to want to drink beers with you. And like, they have to feel like they really got their money's worth and their time was well spent. And oh, by the way, everyone's a stranger and you've got black, white, male, female, young, old, military, civilian. You've got, I mean, you've got, you know, Democrat, Republican, you've got it all right. And you've got to build that. And that's the kind of training that I got from, from special forces right now. Sure. So like straight up, Oh, everything to my, my military training, especially as it relates to go rock. The second part of that is though, that there is a, there is a big bridge that you have to cross in your transition. And, and I don't think this gets enough press. I don't think this gets talked about enough, right? Because the military teaches you a lot. But I mean, okay, I'll say coming from the, the, the infantry, like, how does that translate to business? Well, it doesn't directly. Tactically, it doesn't. Now, interpersonal skills and leadership and how do you do op orders and all of that stuff? Like, sure. But you have to reinvent yourself. You have to learn. You have to go back to basic training of, of sorts. And you have to understand that you have the intangibles. You have the foundation. You have this, this great problem-solving ability. You have all of these things that are so hugely desirable. But you have to put your ego aside. And you have to go back to the basics of what made you great. What makes you great in the infantry? Three things, shoot, move, communicate, right? And you've got to relearn what that looks like in the civilian sector. And guess what? It's not shoot, move, communicate. It, it is communicate and it might be kind of move, but it's probably not shoot unless you're, <laughs> unless you're contracting or something like that. And sure. God bless you, you know, if, if you are. But if you, if you make kind of a transition, 
to you have to you have to let people in your circle you have to ask for help you have to start lower than what you think you might be ready for and and you have to trust that you will be able to to go forward and onward faster or however in accordance with with, with whatever you want to do you have to you have to trust that your training is sound, but you have to go back to the beginning. Uh, it's funny how you you mentioned the diversity and having to build a team out of complete strangers. Uh, it, that's that almost to me, and I, I don't know enough besides what I've read in books, but it sounds to me like the mission of the Green Berets. You're going to a place where culturally, linguistically, um, there's so many differences and aren't it's my understanding that don't you train those guys up to work as a unit and fight with you? Oh, that's exact. So when I say that I owe the special forces community that I owe the green berets, I mean, in every way, owe the green berets, because that's exactly what you do. You show okay. up into a foreign country, you link up with, you link up with indigenous forces, you work by, with, and through those indigenous forces. And the counter example is, you know, if you're say, SEAL Team 6, right? You show up and you get on the, the helicopter with the rest of your guys and you fly to Pakistan and you're on the Bin Laden raid. Like the only people you're ever working with are, they're not identical to you, but they've been through so many similar things as you that it's, it's like you're already on the same wavelength, you know? I mean, the sure. training is the same. The selection process is the same. Like you're, you're cut from the same cloth. And when it's different, there's so many cultural differences. There's so many differences that are, that are, that are existing between say you and your Iraqi police force or you and your Afghan police force. But at the same time, you know, they've still volunteered to serve their country as well. So there are these things that you grab onto and you build rapport off of those. You, you kind of use what you've got. And, but yes, that's a, it's a huge challenge. It also really works. Like this part works. Like all the time going out on unilateral missions is the, you're never going to run out of those missions. And at some point they're going to become very counterproductive. And we've sort of seen that you have to train the trainer. And so that's, that's the lesson that were directly applied to, to go ruck and into team building. So you said 9-11 inspired you to, to join the army. Um, I don't know how the process works to, to get into special forces. Were you one of those people that got a, a slot to try out or um, kind of give us your background on how you wound up being a guy? Yeah, I was, you know, I mean, I, I didn't really know what was, what should be in store for me, but you know, the, the first really impactful thing was when Mike Spann died. Right. And yeah. CIA you know, that, guy, right? Yeah, so former former Marine Corps was was relatively new at, at the paramilitary division of the CIA it was sent over to Afghanistan and obviously a very important mission um, because of some language capabilities and stuff like that. And you know he died in the prison uprising there, right? And it led me to just kind of dig in a little bit and, and figure out like how do you how do you do that, right? Like how do you become that guy? And in his case, you know it was. Yeah, I mean, I dare say this because he paid the ultimate sacrifice, but it's kind of good luck, right? Like he was right place, right time, got sent on on a mission. Any, like, I don't know a guy I served with that wouldn't have gone on that mission. Like, come what may, you know, 
Like if your country said it's October, 2001, we need you to go to Afghanistan. Like I'm in. Yeah. Sign me up. Right. And so that kind of led me down the rabbit hole of applying to the CIA. And I realized I don't know anything about any of this stuff at this time. Like they're all just kind of agencies and places and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and so uh, applied to CIA. That was like a year, the next year of my life, finally figured out that they don't hire directly into the paramilitary branch. Like you have to go somewhere else. And so first like infantry or special operations is what they told me. So started to go through that process, applied to become a Marine Corps officer. That was another 10 months say. And, and what I <laughs> didn't realize, you know, there's that whole thing about go to war, go to jail, like not true. Right. I mean, the line to get into the military was a mile long in those days. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was a mile long. And, you know, I mean, we need more of those. We need more of those JFK moments, right. That will inspire people to serve more. But, and so I ended up like, I just kept missing the, the cut because just, you know, you're, you're playing against math here, you know, and there was nobody flagging my application like no harm, no foul if someone had someone flag theirs to get in, but like no one was flagging mine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, I just wasn't, I didn't meet their criteria. So I had to figure out what, what was next. And so I went and talked to the army recruiter and talked to the Navy recruiter and all that, all that jazz. And, and yeah, so I, I ended up enlisting into the army with an 18 x-ray contract, which was a guaranteed slot through the special forces qualification course. And that doesn't mean you make it, no. <laughs> right? But it's, but it's a slot. Right. And so that was, that was kind of, Hey, you know, October 23rd, 2003 is when I left for basic training. And, and, uh, you know, a couple of years later, a few years later, I had my, my green bright. It's, it's such good information for someone. Cause we have young listeners, I guess, but for people that, you know, they have that goal in their head. I'm going to be a green bird. I'm going to be a Navy SEAL or whatever their goal is. I'm going to be an F-15 pilot. It There's so much of it. You're absolutely right. It's just the cards fall into place. Um, there were people when I was in, so I entered in, oh, I don't remember. It was it was right before 2001, right before the, uh, the towers got hit. And there were people that all they wanted to do was fly aircraft. That was their, you know, since they were kids. And just by luck of the draw, that's not what they ended up doing in the Air Force. And they ended up, you know, going to whatever whatever job. Um, I just happened to be in the room when a a uh, flying slot dropped, and the the guy who handed them out or whatever who signed uh, these these assignments looked at me and said, "Do you want to fly airplanes?" <laughs> it's like, I guess, right? I don't know. It sounds interesting, and and so I took the job that way. But I mean. If, if I had decided not to go into the, um, the barracks that day or whatever it was, it would have gone to the next guy. And it's just, it's just so weird how those things happen. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can't, you know, it's like, I know guys that were 10 times better than I was and they, you know, the guy broke his ankle like a hundred ah, feet yeah. away from the, and it's like, these kinds of things just happen. One guy had a bad jump at Robin Sage and like ended up losing his leg. Right. Oof. Moriarty visited him at Walter Reed and all this stuff while I was in the queue. But the point is, is it's like, there's, there's, there's a lot of luck. So don't, if if you made it through great, stay humble. If you didn't don't, don't get too down. Right. I mean, it's always kind of, there's always going to be adversity in life and like the people that did make it through. Right. It's, it's like, 
Yeah, you know, a lot of them is just persistence and persistence is, is very valuable, right? Like keep after it. Like if you stay in the army, you can absolutely get a packet in to go to special forces assessment and selection. Like you can absolutely do that. But it doesn't mean that if you don't have that contract and you're a private that someone owes it to you, right? Right. It's like you, you've got to, sometimes you got to pay your dues. And so sometimes you, ha you have to get injured and you have to pay your dues a little bit more. I mean, I got, I got injured pretty bad when I was in the Q course, right? I had a really bad jump, you know, landed feet ass head, got a concussion, woke up mid descent in the, from the, in, in, in with, with the parachute, the risers were, were up and the parachute was open, like woke up, like looking at TV fuzz, watching my nose just bleed all over my BDU tops. Right. I'm right. like, Oh shit, I got to land, <laughs> but, you know? And was it a like C-130? It was actually a Casa, which is usually oh, a yeah. really comfortable jump. But the guy in front of me did this kind of dance, like he didn't want to jump. It was early in. Uh, and so I, I shoved him out because um, you're supposed to go at a, at a 45 degree angle out the, out the back, right? And I shoved him out that way. And for whatever reason, you know, because I didn't like grab onto him or whatever and follow him, like it took me almost button hook left out the back of the the plane mm -hmm. and like really bad, like risers opened up, broke my nose, busted it everywhere on the way out. Like just not fun stuff. Right. right. I mean, I, I laugh about it now. I'm smiling about it a little bit now, but not fun stuff at all. And you know, that just cost me, just cost me time. And sure. you know, lots of people get impatient or you're there, you get a DUI. All of a sudden you start failing PT tests. All of a sudden you, I mean, whatever the case may be, you, you see it all. So it is a war of attrition in that world, but you, you will get your shot if you're patient. Sometimes the patience is, is what's the hardest thing, though. I heard, uh, I just had a guy on last week named Jeff Morris. He wrote a fantastic book called uh, Legion Rising. And, and his whole thing, it's kind of interesting. It's what we just talked about. You know, Since he was a kid, he wanted to be a Navy SEAL. And, and somehow, I, I don't remember now, but he, he got into the Army and then he went to the Q course and blew out his knee. And, and he, it, it was almost like um, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, that movie with, I can't mm -hmm. remember. Yeah, yeah, where, what a great movie. Uh huh. And his aspirations are over here, but everything keeps happening here. And it's not till the end where he realizes, look at what I what I have when I became. And he was a, a very successful um, uh, officer in Iraq in 04 and 06. But you read his story and it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just luck of the draw that that had happened. But again, it, you have to look at what success is for you. I think a lot of people, I do it myself. I mean, I, like I said, I was going to that, that unit where a lot of my friends were at. I felt like to me, flying an AC-130 gave me more, I, don't know, I just felt like I was being more involved with the mission versus doing airdrops or, or whatever. And so I, be, I, I beat myself up for like 12 years, you know, we do it, we do it all the time. And yeah, it, it just takes a health. I think age also has a little bit to do with it. As you get older, you realize that you know, things happen for a reason, I guess, or, or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you always love it more than it can love you back. It's, it's this weird thing. And, yeah. you know, so when you let it and by it, I mean, America, the army, the Navy, the air force, the Marine Corps, the coast guard, wh whatever. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so when, when you let any part of it down, I think it's the correct way to go about life though, right? Is you look in the mirror first and say, I, I should have done something a little bit more and you, you have to, or differently or whatever. And 
-hmm. You know, a lot of problems arise when you have to make peace with that. And it's better than the alternative, right? Of I didn't do a damn thing and I have all these regrets. And right, right, you did something. You, you feel like it wasn't enough. And I've, I've never met the person. And I've met some very, very accomplished people in the army. And I've yet to meet someone who was like, yeah, I just did too much. You know, <laughs> I, just, right. I did, I, I served my country just a little bit too much. Right. <laughs> Haven't met that person. Mm -mm. Like, good on us, right? I mean, it's great. Think about that. Like, who says that? Nobody. And right. so it's, uh, it's, it's cool. So at the same time, though, sometimes we've got to take it just a little bit easier on ourselves and, and just be like, you know, like, I, th this worked out well. Like, I, I, did, I did my job. I did it for the time that I did it. And, you know, that led to other stuff, whatever it was, 30 years later, five years later, two years later. It led to other stuff and I was better for that service. And now I got to pay it forward. Sure. Did you, did you put in, you say to yourself, did you put in the work? Um, did you make sure that, uh, you know, you, you did everything with integrity, you know, the idea of doing the right thing when no one's looking. Um, and, and if you do those two things and you knew you didn't, you know, blue Falcon anyone, then you really have nothing, nothing to be ashamed of as far as I'm concerned. Um, but again, I'm an old guy now, so I can say stuff like that. Uh, so you had mentioned just a few minutes ago that you guys are doing a thousand events a year. That's like, if, if you do the math, it's like two or three a day. How do you keep tabs on this? Or is it more like a, a CrossFit situation where there's thousands of gyms across the country and, and they're loosely oh, no. affiliated? No, it's, it's, we've just built it up over time and it's, it's going down a little bit like 700, right. <laughs> in, in this year, it's, it's just, so we have a network of current and former special forces cadre that have just, you know, bought into our mission of building better Americans and they live where they live. And we have a lot of events on a lot of weekends, every weekend throughout the year. And they, they fly there and lead these events. So the process of bringing them on is they have to do one of the events and then they have to um, shadow one of the events from one of the other cadre leading it. and then they, they lead it and are shadowed and then they're, they're sort of set free. And, and that's kind cool. of the, the beauty of it is that it takes on a lot of the personality of, of the cadre leading the event. And, and so he has a lot of autonomy and, um, and so it allows us to scale up. So the events are small, right? I mean, 20, 25, 30 people, but that also allows for the impact to be massive. Wow. That's, uh, that's fascinating. Did, do, so you said you, uh, I, I, hold on, let me back up a second. Are these guys full-time employees or is it something they, they, you know, no, do we have, we have a small staff on, on hand that, that manage all of this and that integrate with the rest of our, the rest of our sort of business activities, if you will. Right. I mean, they have to integrate into marketing and finance and all that stuff, but no, these guys are, some of them are still active duty. Some of them are, retired some of them got out i mean take your pick here it really runs the gamut across every every service right from the coast guard to marine to, to the recon units to special army special forces to rangers to delta to seals to take your pick and don't, sort of, don't forget the uh, don't forget the pjs and the ccts pjs <laughs> and the ccts actually yeah the um uh, our director of training is a uh, former CCT, Dan Skidmore. Oh, awesome. He's, he's cool. like, he's great. And my job in the, in the military, I was, uh, I was like the, the, 
SOTAC or the JTAC on our nice. special forces team. So I got to coordinate a lot with, with the air force. When you start talking about hammer AC one thirty, right? Like, yeah. uh, that, that got us out of some trouble a couple of times. So I'm, yeah, I'm like, absolutely. I was, I was to the air force. I was actually going in to, to be a TAC P. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's when the, uh, the, cadre came down and said, Oh, we have a slot for flying. And I, mm. I had, I was hell bent. I mean, I really wanted to, to be a TAC P. I just thought it was such a cool job. Um, but again, it was like, oh, I get to fly. I mean, who gets a chance to fly an airplane? Right. I mean, that's pretty I, cool, man. Yeah. yeah. So it's <laughs> like, ah, and that's one of those things that we just talked about. I think back and I'm like, what if I was a TAC P? But if game, I was a TAC P, I knew, game, yeah, yeah. what if game you can't, you can't drive do, you crazy. You just you can't. can't do everything. <laughs> you know, I mean, the military even teaches you. It's like, Look, you made a decision, you move forward, you know, and, right. and still we play the what if game and it, it's just, it'll drive you crazy, man. And Always. it's like, you know, <laughs> like, I, I think the thing that, cause I've, I've played, cause I've, cause I've done it too. Right. And it's like, I just wish I could, I wish I could serve more. Right. Yeah. I was yeah. in for five years. It wasn't enough. Like if I right. would have been in for 30 years, it wasn't enough. I was, I was a green beret. It's like, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty but awesome. It still, yeah. it still wasn't enough. Like, yeah, I want to fly planes. I want to fly jets, <laughs> right? I want to yeah. fly. I want to fly hammer. I want to, you know, I want to. I mean, my neighbor two doors down was a. Uh, he was a Top Gun instructor in the Navy, right? Like commandant yeah. of the. Uh, and it's like he's got these awesome stories. I'm like, yeah, I want to do that, you know. And it makes a lot of sense when you start to. to you hear the quotes about like I, my. My, I only regret that I have one life to live for my country. Sure. It's like, yeah. I, I regret that I have one life to serve for my country, right? And, and like how we do that. And like, wouldn't it be cool to, to do this and try out for that? Unfortunately, Father Time's just ticking. So you got to make the, you got to make the best of, of the time you have in the situation that you have right now. Yep. The uh, days are short. No, what is it? The days are long, but the years are short. It sure, it sure yeah it, that's like true. life with kids too <laughs> oh man yeah yeah because uh my kids are six and seven and i feel like they've been living here for 20 years right but when i look back on it, i'm like man i mean we still have i'll go into my car and there's a diaper in there and i'm like what <laughs> wasn't that long ago that these kids are in diapers yeah. and i'm still finding them and it's yeah it, it's amazing um i just realized i looked and we've been going our, already for 45 minutes that's a good sign that means we've been having a good discussion um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just a few more things. Uh, what does a typical day look like for you? Well, hopefully it's, it's never typical, right? Okay. Cause, cause the, no, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. So, you know, <laughs> I, it's like, I wake up, you know, my, my youngest son usually takes his fist and I'm sleeping in my bed and he comes up and I, and I deserve a nice, nice roundhouse to the throat or something like that. Nice. I'm awake. It's morning time. Ah, how old you is know? he? He's uh, my youngest is three, and then we nice. have three kids, eight, five, and three. Nice. And okay. and uh, so so that's a good wake up to the morning, and then it's sort of you know, uh, shake the cobwebs out, whatever they might be, and you know, go down. I, like everyone talking about morning routines and, and like life hacks and all this stuff. <laughs> my take is is like a few anchors to your your daily routines or or whatever are good. They kind of put you in that kind of consistent place and for me like i wake up I, I i press the coffee button i turn the coffee on and it's like i wait for my coffee to come i drink my coffee you know my kids are usually messing around anyway long story short is like 
I got to get my kids to kids to school, the M and I got to get them to school. And then usually I either bike or a ruck to work. I usually end up rucking because I, I like to ruck with my dog monster. And, and so ruck to work. And then, you know, I'm at work, I don't know, eight hours, 10 hours sometimes. And then mm -hmm. I'm home at dinner time and, you know, see my kids and have dinner and then put them in bed and then hang out on lucky nights. I get to talk with fine people like you, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, wake up and, and do it all over again. And weekends are, have been a lot of family time and stuff as well. And, you know, the work never really stops in my head. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I know so, that. So I have to put kind of boundaries up because if, if left to my own devices, I'd probably just live at work because I, I really just enjoy it. And, you know, like, oh, then I can have the community show up and we'll go on a ruck in the afternoon and everything becomes about work and I can build some health into it. But mm -hmm. the, the framework for balance is something to really spend a lot of time thinking about like, for yourself. Like, am I giving my time in the right places? Am I spending my time in the right places? And, and how am I doing that? And, and so, look, man, I work really hard. I, I play really hard whenever possible. And, and I get, you know, an uppercut, uppercut to the throat, like pretty much every morning to start my day. So like, it's, it's a pretty good life. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, it's funny how you bring that up because I'm a PA in the real world. Um, and so I see patients, right? That's what I do, yeah. but it's not who I am, right? That's, that's actually the, you know, I, I went to grad school. I did the GI bill thing. It paid for it all. And it was a good job, great salary. But even when I'm a PA at work, I'm thinking about this stuff, right? I'm thinking about mm. questions I have to do or who I have to contact. I get home. I don't feel like, you know, I could honestly say I work 16 hours a day, but really I, I don't, but I do, you know, I'm sitting at mm -hmm. my, my, my wife have, might have something on TV and I'm sitting with my laptop, uh, writing out questions or contacting or doing whatever editing or, or whatever it comes to, but that doesn't feel like work. It just feels like, what else would I be doing? Sitting on a couch and watching TV? No, hell no. Or what would I do on a weekend? Sleep until 10 and then play golf? I don't know what yep. to do with nothing. Like, oh, I, it's like, horrible. My, my wife, she's like, man her version of hell is a quote vacation on some <laughs> beach somewhere I realize we live pretty close to the beach but like where we just have you know whatever lawn chairs or what do you call them beach like whatever you call the beach chairs right? sure yeah, yeah yeah and it's like and and nothing to do right yeah like wait, wait for the person to bring another sippy cup <laughs> like i become insufferable because i have to create my own chaos you know mm -hmm. like i gotta i gotta create something so then it's like, I start doing this, right? You know, it's like, hey, you know, like, what about this? What about that? Like, leave me alone. And, and uh, anyway, it's, it's just, yeah. Yeah. I, I start <laughs> I, I gotta, pacing. I gotta have something. I gotta have something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it could even be like, if it's a Saturday and it's 11 o'clock and I rarely, but it, I have nothing to do. Well, I'll go outside and walk around the house and find something like, oh, I could rake these leaves right here. <laughs> I could yeah. fix that. I could. Area beautification. It's, it's That's always, right. it's always an option. <laughs> That's right. We, um, uh, it was on a, po I was on a podcast a, a couple months ago and that was the first thing we talked about. He's like, why are veterans so just go, 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 go. And it's so true because I rarely meet any that lay on their couch all day and, and don't do anything. And if you do call them up and ask them to go do something. Yes, absolutely. That's like kind of a thing, you know? I mean, when, when you start getting into you know, the, the darker side of stuff, like veteran suicide and all of that stuff, right? I mean, that's, that's related to social isol isolation and, mm -hmm, and to 100%. not 
to not doing the things that we're most comfortable doing, which is lots of things. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you see these posts about call a buddy and do all this stuff and call me anytime. I mean, you know, like, it's really hard. It's really hard, right? Because I can't, I'm not going to send a text message to everyone I ever served with. I can't, right. you know, but every once in a while, it's like check up on people. Sure. And it's cool, right? Or, you know, you got some new buddies in town, wherever you are, like build a crew, tell them to invite some friends. You never know who might show up. Someone yeah. might show up to, to one, of, one of the hikes or one of the rucks. And it's like, they really needed that in their life. And I've seen that over and over and over. It's like, you just need that kind of social structure. You need that kind of community. And you got to have someone to invite someone else. That's that's how it works. There's there's never been anything in my life where not going or sitting on the couch made it better. Um, I I had tremendous uh, anxiety. The the TBI and PTSD kind of overlap with with each other, and I, I didn't like to do anything where there were lots of people or anything like that. And and there's at least in the last five years I can think of five events where I was in my head, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to come up with a reason not to do but it. But you conquered your inner bitch and you went. But I went. Yeah. <laughs> and, and every single time I tell my wife this all the time, I'm like, every single time I go to one of these things, something momentous happens or, or what I would describe momentous, right? I meet somebody that connects with somebody that, you know, it, it every single time, every single time I decide to go somewhere that connection is made. And that's right now that's, that's more than anything, you know? Yeah. Like uh, tell me, tell me the time when you were, you're hanging out with buddies, like dudes that you like, right. Mm -hmm. Or dudes and dudettes, whatever. And you're like, Hey, let me tell you about this time. Right. When I sat on my couch <laughs> and, did, and did nothing. Right? right. Like nobody wants to hear that story. Cause it sucks. Right. Yeah. Like people want to hear, it's like, Oh, I went and did this stuff and it was awesome. And here's why. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that inspires other people because you always got to one up your buddies and all this. Yeah. Stuff. Like, yeah. Sure. Well, I went and did this and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like that's that's how to lead a, an awesome life. And absolutely. You know, so we, we take it upon ourselves to go and to show up and to to do whatever it is. And that's where you meet the other people who are not sitting at home on their couch doing nothing. You, you meet the people who are out who say, yeah, send me. I want to go do that, too. And so you have this, just, that's where you meet like-minded people. And it's not a secret. It's not magic. It's just, you find people that want to do awesome stuff by doing awesome stuff. Sure. And speaking of doing awesome stuff on Saturday, I'm doing my first go rock. Now I, I'm used to rucking, which is a weird thing for an air force flyer of all things to say, but just through, through Silky's hikes, but it's that difference. Okay. So in a Silky's hike, we take our time. It's, it's a, a more relaxed atmosphere. This one, we're doing the same distance, a little bit less weight, but we're, we're racing against time, right? Cause we want to get in. I keep telling myself, right. I'm 42 years old. I'm, I'm, I'm an old man. I don't have hey, to get there. I'm 41, man. Like you're not, old. You're, <laughs> you look like a stud. You're awesome. Like go conquer the world, you know? Sweet. Uh, write that in email <laughs> sent to my wife. And then I'll be like, look at, he sent him a stud. Um, but it, this is a different, this is a different beast. So I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous about getting in under that, that Doesn't five hour. Good. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And I'm with four Marines or no, no, no. One army, three Marines, and then myself. So of course we've been busting good. each other's so, jobs. So two about of you know how to read. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Semper Fi, I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I already said um, 
because I was an officer and one of the Army's guys was an officer. That means we we were second lieutenants at one point, which means we should be nowhere near a map. Even though my job was a navigator on aircraft, I should be nowhere near a map. Just uh, give it to someone. Give it to a, what is that, O three eleven or um, I can't remember what the MOS for infantry is, but we'll give it to that guy. Yeah, and Army have him is 11 Bravo. 11 Bravo. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. I thanks for coming on. Uh, I could, I could easily talk for about three hours, but we all, <laughs> obviously, we all have things to do. Uh, folks can find you. I mean, I think the easiest place is goruck.com and buy apparel. Yeah, that's learn about like for, rucking. That's kind of like for buying stuff, but you know, okay. goruckevents.com is where all of our events are. Oh, okay. And you know, we're all over social, and and social is more about training and fitness and working out. So, you know, if it's Instagram or Facebook or whatever, they're kind of the same thing, but you know, it's just kind of community, those sides of the house. And yeah, I mean, really what we want to do is, is inspire people to, you know, ruck up, find some friends and embrace the suck. So, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I think it's a, I think there's a good time with the audience here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just a little side note there. Nothing feels better than after the suck, which I guess that sounds weird to say, but uh, like if you, if you struggle for something, if you're cold and you're wet and you are dog ass tired, that beer at the end of the day, or that couch that you eventually make it to, or that shower, that warm shower, it's the best feeling in the entire world. It's yeah, the you know best. You know, what feels even better than your couch is your couch when you pass out on it after That's your go ruck event. Oh my gosh. It feels so good. I used to do long distance biking and it's, it's, it's the best body. You didn't wear all that have. weird spandex and stuff. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I was, I went with, well, look, I, I did a, uh, uh, a wounded warrior ride from San Francisco to Virginia beach, right? It was yeah. 4,000 miles, 6,300 feet. Right, no, 6,300 feet of climb. Yeah. It was insane. Respect. Uh, cause we did it in a short amount of time. That's how I had to get into it. Cause someone asked me if I wanted to, and I was like, I don't ride. And they're like, all right. And they got me a, a, a coach. There's bike coaches out there. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those things you realize you, look you know like who my asshole, coach but- is. My coach is Metallica. Nice. There you go. Good. Yeah, you just did uh, show your age there. Awesome. All right, man. I can't, I can't think of a better way to end it. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to this Saturday, and we are going to live stream it. And we really want to, um, you know, we, we have a lot of veterans out there that I think would, would do really well with this. And hopefully we'll meet some veterans on this hike and get them out to a Silky's hike. And, you know, it'll go from there. Awesome, man. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. Awesome. Uh, really, really enjoy chatting with you, man. Absolutely. Me, me too. Thanks for your time. Set 